So we're going to go ahead and get started. Well, thank you guys for coming. We're going we're gonna to open up in prayer first here, all right? So. Lord Jesus, we, we thank you for who you are, and we thank you that you are truth, and we want to know who you are and what the truth is. So we pray that as we go through this class, you would guide us into the truth, that uh, the teaching would be accurate and helpful, and I pray you'd help us all to take in whatever we'll need as we go along, uh, as to properly witness uh, to those around us who are engaged in these groups, and that you would also encourage our faith in it as well, uh, and help us to understand our faith even more. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so like I said, thank you for coming. Uh, so the, the class is Discerning Deceptive Doctrines. Uh, so we're just going to be examining some important doctrines and some groups that don't hold to these doctrines, that put them outside of Christianity, in our opinion at least. Uh, so this is like a class too. It's not meant to be like a sermon like Joel on Sundays, so... Feel free to raise your hand, ask a question as we go along. You can interrupt me. It's okay. Uh, Bring your Bibles to class because we're going to be going through quite a bit of Scripture as we get going into it, so you guys will be able to reference it as we go. Uh, All my Scripture references are going to be from the ESV unless I otherwise state. So So what are we going to be doing here in this seminar? We're going to look at five major religious groups that all claim to have belief in Christ. So these are all groups that if you asked the members of that group, uh, if you asked them, do you believe in Jesus, they would all say, yes, of course we do, right? The same as what we would say here at this church, Uh, but that doesn't make them necessarily Christians, all right? So we're going to spend some time discussing these essential and core doctrines and how they're brought to bear on those five groups as well as on ourselves. It's not enough just to point at those groups and say, you guys have it wrong, you're not Christians. We're not just going to call out bad teaching. Uh, We're going to look at what the Bible says and uh, on all these topics, like the Trinity and the authority of Scripture and things like that, the nature of of Jesus, and make sure that we're believing the right things as well. Okay? This is an important topic, uh, but this can also be a messy topic. Okay, because we're talking about people. Uh, so we're going to try to be careful while we're going through it to make sure that it's a blessing to all of us. All right, so just to reiterate, the, the purpose of the class is to educate you on the five most well-known false Christian groups, in America at least, and equip you to effectively reach out to them. Uh, you're guaranteed to bump into numerous people from all of these groups just in your daily life here in Minnesota. Uh, several of them are even going to come right up to your own doorstep, probably, knocking on your door, wanting to talk to you about whatever group that they're in, right? So, uh, I guess how many people, when it comes to like Jehovah's Witnesses, Catholics, Mormons, progressives, uh, and from maybe like Bethel Church or a very hyper-charismatic group, how many of you guys have family or family members in that group, and at least one of them? Right, probably all of us. Like you have to know it's like a coworker or somebody. All right. So for me personally, like I have 
family members or friends in each one of these categories, all right? So it's, it's something that's important to me. Uh, and wouldn't it be nice to know what it is that they are actually believing uh, so that you can better witness to them and encourage them in their, in their faith to get them on the right path to Jesus, all right? So, and also just know it might be the case that individuals that you know, they might be saved even though they're in these groups that are teaching that have false teachings, uh, but it might not be, okay? So it just, it just depends, all right? We'll talk more about that as we go as well. Uh, and then we're also going to educate you on essential Christian doctrines, equip you to defend them, and of course, to encourage and increase your faith in Christ and to bring glory to God. All right. So how do you determine who is and who is not a Christian? Okay, like I said earlier, this can be a messy topic. Uh, so the question that if you want to know if somebody's a Christian, what's the first thing that you're probably going to ask them? Anybody want to offer? I mean, I guess it's up there. Like, do you believe in Jesus? Okay. Which sounds like a really good question to ask at first, uh, but that's really not enough because there's a lot of people who answer yes to that question that are not, still not Christians, even though they believe in Jesus Christ. All right, so a better question to ask is, what do you believe about Jesus? All right. Um, so we're going to be examining these five, these five major religious groups that all answer yes to that first question, and we're going to see what it is they say when you ask them this question, what it is about Jesus. Okay, so we're going to be examining their attitudes towards Jesus, salvation, the Bible, spiritual authority, a few other things. Uh, we're going to compare these beliefs with what the Bible says to see if they stand up, if they stand up, and, what, and if we stand up. And then lastly, we're going to talk about specific ways and how to witness to them, because there are specific things that are going to work really well on different groups. Um, so we're just going to try to target those areas to make it more effective time for you. Uh, and I just also want to point out too that like I hope you don't get offended as we go through and if you have a, a grandmother who's a Jehovah's Witness or a Catholic or whatever like I'm not trying to attack your grandma okay and say like your grandma's a bad person and she just she hates Jesus or something like I'm not trying to say anything wild like that all right uh, it's I'm, I'm talking about the teachings of the groups as a whole all right and the teaching is having an impact on that person, that family member or that friend, okay, whether they realize it or not, okay? So, like, for example, like, if you have a family member who's a Catholic, they get scripture every week when they go to Mass on Sunday morning. So it's possible that they got enough scripture as they went as they go along that, yeah, they do have a genuine faith in Christ and they genuinely understand who he is, just by getting that, that, uh, that little bit of scripture every week. But that's going to be in spite of the teaching of the church, okay? And I know that's even including the Catholics on the list is probably somewhat controversial, and we'll talk about that as we go as well. Uh, <clears throat> so, but that person there they, that might be genuinely saved is going to be taught things like to pray to Mary and not to Jesus, all right? And so that's going to be diminishing them spiritually, 
preventing them from having some really good spiritual growth in their relationship with the Lord, uh, that you could get them out from underneath and get them somewhere where they're going to get real spiritual nourishment, right? Where they can really grow with their faith, all right? Uh, All right, so those are the five groups. So Jehovah's Witnesses, that's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about these in this order. So Mormons, uh, they don't like to be called Mormons anymore. They prefer to be called the Church of Latter-day Saints, but I mean, I'll probably use the term interchangeably. I still think it's appropriate to call them Mormons. Uh, Catholics, progressive Christians, and then Bethel Church. All right? And this is more than just a church. It started in a church out in Redding, California. It is a worldwide movement now, and they are not preaching Christ, unfortunately. Um, that also might be a controversial one to add to this list, but you'll, you'll see why when we get to it, why I think it, should, why it belongs on the list. So, All right, and we're going to lay some ground rules as we go through as well. Uh, so I'm not going to spend time judging the salvation of individual people. Like I said about, like I'm not trying to say your grandma is bad or something, you know, or your best friend. Uh, it's, it's possible, right? So salvation absolutely is in question here because if you're sitting in a church that's not teaching you how to be saved, not leading you to Christ, it's going to be really hard to get there, right? If you're not being shown it and taught it. But you never know, okay? Salvation is something that's between you and the Lord and what you, what you believe, whether you're properly believing him and giving, giving God the, the worship that, he's, that he requires. Uh, but it's, it's, so it's, it's just between them and I don't know what's really going on, all right? <clears throat> so that applies to famous celebrities or, yeah, just anybody who's going to be a part of this. So, but we're also not going to mock, ridicule, or make fun of them. Okay, that's not the purpose of the class. We're not here to dunk on people. We're here to give you good teaching on how to witness to them. All right? Um, I'm also going to want to add, too, that like, the purpose of witnessing to them is not to just get them out of the group that they're in, but also to get them to Christ. Okay, so, like, hey, I talked them out of being a Jehovah's Witness, but they're still not a Christian, you know? So we got to, hopefully we can bring them all the way there. All right? Now, I'm gonna, I've been spending a lot of time studying these groups, going into the original sources. Like I'm, like, I'm spending a lot of time reading and listening to videos and teachings. So I want to accurately relay the official teachings of these groups. Okay, I'm not just going to make things up or, or blow things out of proportion. I'm just going to ask, I don't know enough about you, Trent. Yeah. Right, so, yeah, good question. So, yeah, my name's Trent, I guess, if you guys didn't know. Um, So I've been to seminary. I did not finish seminary down at uh, Phoenix Seminary. Um, I was asked by Joel to come on to be, like, an interim pastor, I guess, or I don't know what what the official interim pastor. So I'm basically, like, like here to do small teaching things like this, and but not paid. So, uh, yeah. And I've been a Christian for since 2008. So was that 14 years now? In August. Uh, and yeah. And I've yeah. Like I've, I've spent the time 
studying it. Like I know Greek and things like that too. Does that help answer your question or? No, I just wondered if you had a job where you've actually gone out and talked specifically to one for a specific reason other than just learning Greek. I have not had a job, but like I've had these groups in my home. Like I, I have a Jehovah's Witness coming over to my home tomorrow night even. Like, I spent time on the phone with uh, the same guy a few nights ago. Like, I spent an hour, like, at 10 o'clock at night talking to him. Uh, like, I had Mormons at my house numerous times when I was living in Phoenix because uh, they were coming around all the time. Like, I have family members who are Catholic. I went to a Catholic school. Uh, I spent, I worked, uh, I guess we'll talk more about it when we get to the my testimony with uh, Catholics, but yeah, sure, yeah, fair enough. But like, I met with a priest every Sunday for two week for two years when I was going to school for my undergrad. So like, I've I've spent a lot of time with each of these groups. So yeah, <clears throat> good question. Um, so accurately relaying the official teachings of these groups, uh, and then I also want to understand that we're going to leave room for individual variants within the groups. Because people are going to have different levels of theological training, just like how right now in this group, some people have been to seminary, some people have undergraduate, some people have been Christians for 10 years, some people have only been Christians for a few years, or maybe even a few months. So there's going to be different levels of understanding of how everything works. So it's going to be the same way with, with them. So go ahead. Yeah. So, it's something you, you may not have heard of, but I almost guarantee you, you know people who are involved in it on some level. It's like a very charismatic group. Um, and I'm not trying to say that if you believe in the gifts of the Spirit, you're not a Christian. It's that they've taken that, and that's the whole purpose. They're not preaching Christ. They're not preaching salvation. They have uh, fake fake miracles, they teach people to do false prophecies, they engage in, in all kinds of other uh, spiritually dubious acts, and then they call it Christian. Um, they're even actually coming out with their own translation of the Bible right now. It's called the Passion Translation. Um, and they're just inserting all their theology into it. It's very similar to what the Jehovah's Witnesses done, has done, which we'll talk about tomorrow, where they just made up their own translation and changed all the theology in it, so that they can say to their groups, this is, the, this is the Bible you need to read. That's what they're in process of doing right now. So we'll definitely, you'll understand why they're in the group, why they're on this list when we get to them, but, but I'm planning on doing them at the end, so we probably have to wait a few weeks. Yeah, and so it's their worship music is their main form of evangelism. So if you turn on your radio, you probably have heard some of their music. So you're aware of them, whether you know that you're aware of them. So, yeah. Does that answer your question enough? Enough of a foretaste? So. Uh, where were we? All right. So individual parents. So who are true Christians? All right. What is the definition of a Christian? Um, there's different ways to look at it, all right? So there's the wide umbrella Christianity. So that's anybody who professes belief in the teachings of Jesus Christ. So if you just Google how many Christians are in the world, 
it's going to give you a statistic of 2.4 billion people. That's exactly one-third of the total population of the world. And if you ask how many Christians are in America, it's going to give you a statistic of 247 million people who identify as Christians in America. All right? So there are only 331 million people in America. So that number is just shy of 75%, which is three and four. Okay, does anybody in here believe that 75% of Americans are Christians? Or even one-third of the world? Okay, so it's not enough just to say that you believe in the teachings of Christ, all right? So we're going to narrow it down a little more. Say only those groups which teach correct Christian doctrine essential to the faith. Okay, so that's going to narrow it down to, like, basically your largest denomination. So it could be Lutheran, Baptist, Presbyterian, Methodist, etc. But there's going to be people within those groups who still aren't even saved yet either because they're, they're not holding to the teachings of the group, at least not, not deeply, right? So let's narrow it down even more. It's someone who has been born again by God and has put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. So it's down to an individual level, and I think that's a lot, it's a lot fewer people than even what we think of right now. Like if... Uh, like, I don't even remember what it is. It's like only 400,000, or I don't yeah, something evangelicals. I'm making up numbers now, but it's, it's, not, it's not very many when it comes down to it. So, believing correct doctrine is fundamental to the Christian faith. Like New Testament authors spent a, long, like a lot of time in their letters trying to lay out correct doctrine for us to believe. All right, so it can, and believing correct doctrine can make the difference between saved uh, and not saved, okay? So how do we evaluate the importance of individual doctrines? Like, How do you know if this doctrine will lead to salvation and this one will condemn you, all right, if you believe it? Okay, so we're going to take a look at this system, a system that I developed, at least that's how I think about it in my mind. Uh, but there's a system that people have posited, I've heard a lot, it's just called the open and closed fists analogy, and the, basically the idea is that you hold the central doctrines in a closed fist, and then you have all the other doctrines in an open hand, so you're just having grace and charity towards everybody. So there's only two categories, it's either essential or you just have grace with it. But I don't think that's quite good enough on um, how to deal with it, so like, just as an example, if you go to um, an Assemblies of God church. So I was actually saved in an Assemblies of God church right? When I was in 2008. They were the ones who reached out to me uh, and with the gospel. So like, I believe that it is a denomination that does have saving faith, that they teach correct doctrines, when, at least when it comes to salvation. Uh, let me see here what I have. All right. So, but if you went to an Assemblies of God church service on Sunday morning, like you decided to take a one-week uh, vacation from a review and you went over, because there, there are some around, just within five minutes of here even. So a normal Sunday, Sunday service would look a lot different from ours, all right? People are going to be shouting things out loud during prayer and worship. They're just going to be yelling things out, 
And they're going to be saying that these things are in the, being done in the name of God, that they're prophecies and prayers. So people don't do that here generally. So people are going to share what they, what, what they believe are words from the Lord. So they'll get up in front of a microphone and they'll say, the Lord is telling me this. And they'll just say something. Right? I don't know. Uh, that might even, they're going to be dancing around probably a little bit. Some are more uh, wild than others. They're going to say things that the Spirit said to me. They're going to gather around people in groups. They're going to lay hands on people. Uh, like even stranger than most of us, people are going to be speaking in tongues. All right? So to us, it's going to really sound like gibberish. I mean, to them, it sounds like gibberish too, but they think there's a purpose to it. Uh, and we'll talk about that when we get to it. So uh, almost none of this goes on in Riverview, right? So no one's standing up in front speaking in tongues, all right? Uh, Nobody's shouting things out. Nobody's standing up on the stage saying that the Spirit of the Lord is saying something to me, and I'm sharing it with all of you, okay? Uh, but are these groups not Christian just because they do things that we think are bad Christian practice, right? But because that same group, like I said, they've all, they've, they were the ones who reached out to me. Uh, they teach, that same group does teach the doctrine of the Trinity accurately, they teach that the Bible is the authoritative word of God. Uh, they teach that salvation is by, Christ, uh, is through, by faith alone through Christ alone, etc. So on the core stuff, the essentials, they believe the same as us. Okay? So it's, it's, but we can have some issues, right? So yeah, we all share the same closed fist, but just having an open hand is maybe not quite enough. Uh, so another example would be like the rapture. So like when does the rapture occur? Is there a rapture, right? Christians have been ripping each other's spleens out over this for quite a while. But is that really a doctrine worth dividing over? Okay, so or not? Like I don't think so. <clears throat> so I just came up with this system. It's what I have in my mind when I think about doctrines. So... Like, I used to work in a manufacturing plant where we made actuators, which are just, basically actuator is something that makes something else move or spin or go up or down. Uh, and we would have to, after we were done assembling one, we would have to test it, okay? So, and based on how it performed with the test, right, we'd have to put a different tag on it. So if it seemed like it was beyond broken, like, or beyond repair, so it was just broken too well, you would have to put a red tag on it. If it was just too loud, so it needed to be adjusted somehow, you could put a blue tag on it. If it was good to go, a green tag, etc., and then the green ones could be shipped out. Uh, so just when I was developing, or when I'm looking at doctrine, I just kind of do the same thing. So... If a doctrine is essential to the Christian faith, like Jesus is truly God and truly man, right? That one gets a red tag. It means you have to believe this doctrine if you're going to be a Christian. All right? Same thing with the Trinity. God is three persons in one being. Uh, and we'll, we're going to talk about these specific doctrines and whether they're biblical or not as we go. Uh, but that is a red tag doctrine. If you deny the existence of the Trinity, then you are not, no longer a Christian. Uh, salvation is through Christ alone and faith alone. That's one where we're going to contend with, with all the groups, but particularly with the Catholics. 
then there's orange or yellow. So I put orange if it's a little bit more severe and yellow if it's a little less severe. So that's going to be like infant versus believer's baptism. Right? And this actually could cut only one way. So for example, uh, it's going to be a lot easier for somebody who uh, believes in believer's baptism, or sorry, believes in infant baptism to attend a believer's baptism church than the other way around, right? So like if I'm going to attend a church that baptizes babies and I have a baby, I'm not going to want that baby baptized because I don't believe in infant baptism, right? So it's going to be harder for me to go to that church than another church, so I think of uh, orange doctrines as important, but not essential. And by essential, I mean like for salvation. So it's, it's basically where you would divide yourself into a different church group, all right? So same thing with the female pastors, female elders. Like that's going to cut one way harder than the other way, obviously. And that, that's okay. So... Uh, Blue, just simply a difference of opinion. That's going to be like church governance or polity, eschatology. That's that my opinion. It's just blue tag category. It's not that important to me. Uh, but there are parts of eschatology that are, is important. Like you must believe in the physical return of Jesus Christ. That's a red tag doctrine. But whether it's a millennium, how long it is, when it is, it's, I think there's going to be a lot more room for grace on that. I'm not going to pick a church based on eschatology, but I would pick a church based on believer's baptism, female pastors, Calvinism versus Arminianism, etc. So this is just how, when you're to, which groups of Christians you're going to identify with. All right? It's how important you are assigning each doctrine. All right? The red tags, you, everybody needs to believe in, uh, but the other ones can be assigned differently. This, this is the way I think about it. So... Any questions about that? So you can even look at it as like a target, and then you go out and they become less important. You go ahead. Yeah. So that that's something that I think is great tradition that we do here at Riverview, and as a Baptist, I mean, that's basically what we're going to do in place of infant, of infant baptism, so, because we don't, we don't regard baptisms as valid if it was done when you were not capable of understanding what you were doing. That's our doctrinal position at Riverview, uh, but obviously other people can disagree on that, like, I have a really good friend. He's a Presbyterian pastor in Apache Junction in Arizona. He baptizes babies, right? I mean, I go to him for a lot of theological, spiritual advice. Uh, but, I mean, I absolutely regard him as a man of the Lord. He's a Christian. Uh, we just have a disagreement. And I think that's, that's okay. One of us is wrong. One of us is right, okay, on that issue. But believing wrongly on that issue doesn't put you outside the faith. Does that make sense? So you could be wrong on whether females should be pastors or not, but believing the wrong one in the sight of God doesn't necessarily mean that you're not a Christian. You know? 
So, but I wouldn't attend a church that believed differently than me. You know? So, did you have a question? Right, and that's why, for me, I have it just below essential, right? Because it's important, because I think you're misleading people when you baptize a baby and say they're born again, and now they're a Christian, right? I, I think that's misleading, and, it, and it's just not biblical, right? That's, my, that's our opinion, uh, but that doesn't have a bearing on whether you're saved or not, you know what I'm saying? So it could cause problems with that and, make, and lead you into a, space, a state where you're not saved. So that could happen uh, because, well, I was baptized as a baby, therefore I'm a born-again Christian, even though I don't live my life trying to serve Christ and I don't really regard him, right? So you can lead an individual so it can have problems, which is why we divide on that issue and we, in fact, have a whole denomination group called Baptists, right, because of this issue. So and we'll, we'll talk about denominations here in just a couple, actually the next slide. So uh, this is how I regard denominations as well. So that's going to be confusing. I'll give a de definition of it here shortly. But these are going to be like everybody in this gray square, right, is a Christian. And groups that are outside the square are not Christian. And, so, and don't get tied up on where I put them in the square. Inside the square and outside the square, I just threw them on randomly, okay? So I'm not, I'm not trying to say Presbyterians are more Christians than Methodists, okay? That's not, that's not the purpose. So, but whether you're in or out, that was intentional, all right? So like Mormons, Bethel Church, Catholics, I put them outside because I don't believe that those churches... Basically, I'm saying that the teaching, the official teachings of those churches do not lead you to salvation. Go ahead. Two yeah. Uh, Baptists are from the church. Oh, no, we're the star in the middle. <laughs> we're perfect Christians. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, so they're not all Christians, per se. They're not a Christian, they're a Presbyterian. Correct. Presbyterian church, and the Anglicans, and so on, all the spouse, all the doctors. Correct. And I, I put the Seventh-day Adventists half and half on purpose because they have groups within that are not Christian and some that are. They get, like, some of them assign you have to worship on Saturday, you're not a Christian. So like, it becomes like a works-based salvation. Uh, we're not going to delve into Seventh-day Adventism uh, during this class, but 
Some are Christian, some are not, as far as the group, the teachings. So, uh, and you might be thinking, wow, I know a lot of Episcopalians or Methodists, and they're not Christian groups. Okay, and that's because all denominations can be divided into liberal and Bible-believing. Okay, so uh, I just lumped in this slide right here all of the liberal versions of these into the progressive liberal. Okay, so like for example, Lutheranism has the Evangelical Lutheran Church of America. That is a liberal denomination, so they don't teach essential doctrines. Okay, but Missouri Synod does, so that's why they're considered Bible-believing. Um, and just, by the way, just because it's an ELCA, there are some good ELCA churches, individual churches. Uh, I'm just broad strokes, all right? Same thing with Baptist, American Baptist, just a liberal denomination. Uh, I put SBC question mark there. They're having some problems right now. We're not going to talk about Northern Baptist Convention. That's the one we're part of, uh, Bible-believing, all right? Although we got our own problems too, but Bible-believing in general. Presbyterian, you have the Presbyterian Church USA, and then you have like Orthodox Presbyterian Church. Uh, they're going to be the conservative, I mean the liberal and the conservative church. Methodist has the United uh, Methodist Church, and then they have the Global Methodist Church. Okay, they actually just divided like a week ago, officially. Like it's been in the works for years and years. But I think as of like August 22nd or something, like they officially are divided. So, so there are Bible-believing Methodists. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Sure. There are almost like 99.99% chance that they are on the liberal side. Yeah. So if that that's we'll talk about it when we get to the progressive, but the LGBT agenda overtaking the agenda of preaching Christ is actually it's dominating the liberal churches right now. So that's that's a massive red flag. It's a big moral issue that they're compromising on as well. It's a sign that they're they've moved over to the left. In Africa, yeah, which is why they're called global. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there's not very many Orthodox Methodist churches in the United States. They're almost all liberal, but there are some. So I'm, I'm not. I don't want to discount their existence. Uh, but yeah, in fact, there was that big issue what two or three years ago where they were trying to adopt uh, same-sex marriage and, and affirm it, uh, the Methodist Church, because it still has not officially affirmed it. Uh, but it was the African bishops who came riding in and saved the day and, uh, and shut that down. And that really upset the American Methodist Church, basically, only American. And that's why they're splitting away. So they're taking the name United, and then the other group is going to be called Global. So there's probably, you're probably going to see some branding issues change on some churches around. Uh, but not too many here. In Africa, you would. So, yeah, for sure. <clears throat> All right, just, just another, it's basically the same chart as before. Uh, I just, 
oh, it's kind of off the screen there. Uh, just to give you an idea of what things look like over time. So the red line would be if you had perfect doctrine according to what God says all throughout history. Okay, so I'm not trying to claim anybody has perfect doctrine, all right? Um, but early church fathers, you had the, the Judaizers came in, right, with Galatians, etc. cetera. Uh, then you had the Arians came in, they denied the, the, the divinity of Christ. And that's the Jehovah's Witnesses have picked up that mantle, all right? So we'll talk about that again tomorrow. Um, you had the start of the early Catholic Church, going into the medieval era, okay, and they're slowly going off the rails, and then at the Council of Trent in 1517, I believe it was, they officially declared that if you believe in salvation by grace alone, that you're cursed. That's what they say. If you believe in this doctrine, you're cursed. So that's when they officially eject from the faith, in my opinion. The Reformers are bringing it back. Of course, the Reformation leads to multiple different denominations, Lutherans, Presbyterians, etc., this is not meant to be exactly accurate, just to give you the, an idea. Um, this, is the, this is what I was given when I was in seminary as a breakdown of the church denominations. Um, I don't like this representation of it, in my opinion, because it implies that the Roman Catholic Church has been the one consistent throughout history. Okay? And I, told, I got this from Wayne Grudem, and I told him that, and... He said he'd consider fixing it, but we'll see. Uh, <laughs> because I don't, I don't think that's true. I think that they are the ones who split off. That's, that's my opinion. So, but yeah. And if you want my notes or slides or anything, just let me know and I can send them to you. So that way you don't have to uh, scribble things down if I'm moving too fast. Go ahead. They're really just a break off from mostly Baptists. <laughs> yeah. So most of the time, they're going to be basically just like our church. Uh, they just have a, they don't like to be affiliated with the denomination for whatever reason. But I don't know. I don't see anything wrong with, group, with uh, denominations in general. Uh, but it's, that's a really recent thing. Like, like 20, 30 years, even, where that's been a big, big deal of saying we're part of no group. You know, it just, it kind of reminds me of uh, Paul talking to the Corinthians where he's like, I was baptized by Paul and I was baptized by Apollos, but it's, but I, but I was, I'm only follow Christ is what some people say. That's like the non-denominational people. So anyways, uh, so denomination, what is a Denomination. All right. So a domination is a Christian group that believes correct doctrines on red tag issues, but will differ on lesser, while still important, other doctrines. That's going to be like orange, yellow, and blue. Okay, so why divide into denominations? Well, they, we divide because of the existence of the orange and yellow tag category. All right, back here. All right, so, like, it's hard if you don't believe in infant baptism to be at a church that baptizes babies, right? If you have a genuine belief that the scripture doesn't teach that, which we hold here, then you're not going to be at that group. And it's natural for people who believe the same things to come together. And that's basically why you have denominations, really. 
So it's because of that whole existence of that category. And I think that's fair, and it's fine. Uh, it, it doesn't bother me that much as long as they all have those the orthodox views, the, the red tag issues. So, and you're going to hear the statistic thrown out too. You probably have. There's 45,000 denominations out in the world, and uh, the Catholics in particular push this one. They're really, uh, they try to slap that on us, but it's, it's actually really not true. There's only like a handful of denominations out there. Uh, I mean, each denomination, they'll count every subgroup. So like we have the, the Southern Baptist and the, NB, and the Northern Baptist Convention, right? And they're going to say that's two different denominations. And it's like, well, is it really? Like we basically believe all the same things. It's more just this, we're in the North part of America. So we just, easier for us to associate together. And they're in the South, so it's easier for them to associate together, etc. So I don't know. I don't think it's I don't think it's fair at all to say there's forty five thousand denominations. Is really Lutheran, Protestant, or I mean uh, Presbyterian, Baptist, uh, Anglican, etc. But Craig, yeah. a lot of the separation in some of the Baptists between North America and Baptist General South Or yeah, That's that's right, yeah. So that's that's a good good point. So uh, it's they're they're really the differences are not that profound, in my opinion, between a lot of these different groups. Um, yeah. So. Like, you, you could probably name all the denominations on your two hands, really. I mean, and frank, frankly, you can divide them all under evangelical or Protestant. So you can even say there's really only one ultimate group. Um, it, I, I say evangelical or Protestant because some people don't like to be called Protestants. Because, I mean, that's what they were given because they were protesting the Catholic Church. Uh, but we've tried to rebrand ourselves as evangelicals. Because we're not, we're not just protesting the Catholic Church anymore. We kind of have our own separate entity. <laughs> so, yeah, simple as that. All right, false churches or cults. All right, so I'm going to use that term interchangeably as we go along. Uh, what is a false church? It's a group that calls itself Christian but denies belief on a red tag doctrine. Okay, failure to hold to red tag doctrines categorically places you outside of the Christian faith automatically. And we're going to talk about why that is in a little bit. Um, so here's a, here's a list that's long, that's longer than the ones that we're just going to talk about, of false churches. So Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormons, or LDS, which stands for Latter-day Saints, uh, Catholic, Progressive or Liberal, World Mission Society, Church of God, also known as Mother of God. In fact, there are, you, you might not know who this is, but there are people in West St. Paul who hold to this church. Joel's had to deal with them a few times. Uh, they, there is a Korean woman in South Korea who thinks that she is like Jesus' mother, like reincarnated or something. And there are millions of people who, go, like, who attend this faith and believe that she's basically Jesus returned, slash the mother of God. The contemporary term for Moonies. Is what? Moonies. Moonies. Yeah, they're Moonies. Moonies. Okay. <sighs> Yeah, I, I, I toyed with putting them on the list, but decided we didn't have enough time. But uh, 
they're becoming large enough that you're going to want that you should be aware of them. Uh, and yeah, maybe we'll have a class on them another time. Uh, Christian Science Church as well. I mean, that's literally what they're called, Christian Science Church. And they have, new, they're new agey. They believe in herbs and things like that. But they put it at salvation level. Uh, the Word of Faith, that's going to be your Benny Hinn uh, type crowd. Bethel Church, which you're going to get a lot more details on when we get to them. Uh, United Pentecostal Church. They're on there not because they believe in the gifts of the spirits. They're on there because they deny the Trinity. They're called Oneness Pentecostals. Might be a term you've heard before. Uh, the Hebrew Israelites. So they're actually very active in Minneapolis and St. Paul right now as well. Uh, the Unitarian Church. They just believe everybody goes to heaven and they just believe all kinds of strange things and they're all okay with it. This is not an exhaustive list. I could spend a lot more time going over different groups, but there's a lot of them out there. I just picked these five that we're covering in the class because you're the most likely to run into them at this point. So, Go ahead. That is not the same as Messianic Jews. Good question. Uh, basically, these are people generally that are African descent that believe that uh, the Jewish, like the Jews, moved to Africa at some point and that they're the actual Jews and that the Jews who are alive in Israel right now, they're false and that only, you have to join their group to be saved. Um, they have all kinds of really weird things. They're also very militant and like violent and aggressive. So be careful if you talk with them. Uh, they can get really angry. So, yeah. So. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, so I'm not talking about other religions. I'm talking specifically someone that's false churches and cults. It's groups that call themselves Christian, but are not. So Buddhist, Buddhism has no connection to Christianity, so I didn't put it on here. Uh, you could actually, I considered also putting Islam in here, because they are actually an offshoot of Christianity. So if you look at them historically, uh, but that would, uh, that's going to require a whole class in of itself to go into Islam. Uh, but yeah, cool. So that's why I didn't include, uh, yeah, them on here. So, <clears throat> All right, so why spend the time in this class for the next several months looking at it? Uh, right? It's so that you know the danger of their beliefs, okay? It can be really unsettling to be talking with somebody at work or a family member or whoever, and then they say, well, you can't believe in the Trinity because Jesus said the Father is greater than I, right? And you say, whoa, and they show you right there in the Bible, that's where Jesus said it. Now, can I believe in the Trinity? You know, and it can really rock your faith if you're not prepared for it. So, but, and we're going to talk about the Trinity in detail, as I keep saying, but... Uh, so, so that you're ready for that attack, so that your faith is not diminished or crushed because of 
some attack that you don't see coming from left field that, are, that is common that come from these groups, all right? Uh, so that you know how to reach out to them, okay? So here's a verse, Matthew 7, 21 through 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. So that does apply to your nominal Christian that attends a true Bible-believing church. But it also, I think, very much applies to someone like a Jehovah's Witness who is trying to work like trying to prove their faith by just working themselves to the bone and going door to door, right? Because they have to put in so many hours every month to demonstrate that they are committed to the organization, right? Uh, and they're going to, when they die, and they say, Lord, Lord, didn't I go to door to door like 90 hours a month for 30 years for you? He can say, I never knew you you didn't preach, you didn't know me, you didn't preach me at all. But they think they're serving Christ, okay? So that's a big deal, right? Like I said, salvation is in question here for these people. I'm just not going to apply it to every individual that you might ask me about, but in large strokes, it is, it's important, okay? Uh, it's worth arguing about. So like Jude 3 through 4, it says, Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. All right, so he wants to contend for the faith. For certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were uh, designated for this condemnation. Ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only Master and Lord Jesus Christ. All right, because there are, there are people that deny these, like these uh, tenets of the faith that are essential to it, okay? And so it's worth fighting over those, okay? Uh, and then also, preaching and teaching against false doctrine is a sign of a healthy church, okay? So like I said, the New Testament authors did it all the time. Uh, in fact, I have a list here. I didn't put a slide up for it, but Galatians 1, 6 through 7, 2 Peter 2, 1, 1 Timothy 1, 3, 2 Timothy 2, 18, Titus 1, 10 through 16, Romans 6, 1 through 2. These are issues, these are points where uh, Paul or, uh, or Peter or other apostles are writing to combat specific false doctrines, right? John does it as well in his letters. Like it's, it's all over. So it's something that needs to be done. All right. Oh, I did make a slide for it, actually. There it is. So, uh, and then also, 1st, 2nd, 3rd, and 4th century Christians wrote against heresies often. It was very common. So you have the famous uh, debates between Augustine and Pelagius. So, and then uh, Athanasius versus Arius. So Augustine and Athanasius were both bishops. Uh, from North Africa, <clears throat> very well known in history. Uh, you have a guy named Irenaeus, who, just as a little tidbit about him, he was discipled by a man named Polycarp, who was discipled by John, 
right, who wrote the Gospel of John, the Letters of John, the Book of Revelation, all right? So, and he, uh, in fact, and he was a missionary to the French, and he spent so much time working with the French that he forgot Greek and Latin. By the end of his life, he couldn't, he couldn't even speak or write the languages anymore because he spent so much time there. Uh, but he wrote a really large tome called Against Heresies, and it's like this thick, right? And he had to write it by hand. And it literally is like a specific, and he, and he was like detailed, like the slightest thing that was a variation from, from, uh, from uh, good doctrine, he would label it, write down what it, was, what, it was, what it was, who was teaching it, why it was bad, what the correct interpretation was, and then that would be this section. And then he'd move on to the next one, and move on to the next one. And he had like thousands of little false beliefs that he had compiled together. It took him a long time to do it. Uh, yeah, but so it was worth it. So that's what the early Christians were doing. They were constantly doing this. Uh, the, the church also convened councils, so they would get all the pastors, which are commonly called bishops by this point in time, which is just Latin for pastor or elder, uh, got them all together, and they hashed out issues that came up. So the first one ever called was called the Council of Nicaea, met in the year 325. So during this council, uh, they defined the doctrine of the Trinity, the Nicene Creed was written during this time, which many churches still read at the start of their services to this day. It's, we believe in the Nicene Creed here. Uh, it's, it's really well done. So uh, this is also the, the council where legend says that St. Nick punched Arius during the debate. Okay, and by the way, St. Nick is Santa Claus. So every Christmas, I couldn't resist uh, including some memes, okay? <laughs> So starts a fist fight at an ecumenical council. Uh, and, and this picture here, this is an actual, uh, like, what do you call it, like a mural on a wall over in Turkey somewhere, like a church that survived. Like the, and I don't know, that's, that's uh, St. Nick, or I guess you can call him St. Nick, or just Nicholas, the bishop, uh, grabbing Arius. Looks like he's getting him by the beard for a really good smack, you know? So that's how they... Uh, how they memorialize that, so. <laughs> so yeah, these are some great memes. I see them around Christmas time. And there's more on the Google if you wanna go have a good time. So I came to give presents to kids and to punch heretics, and I just ran out of presents, right? He's making a list and he's checking it twice, gonna find out who's denied the consubstantiality of God, the Father with God, God the Son with God the Father, and deck the halls, try deck the heretic instead, all right? So and that was a big deal. He got in trouble for it because uh, it was illegal to start a fight in front of the emperor, and he was in attendance there. So, so yeah, but they decided that he was right after all, even though they didn't like his behavior. So, so they got passionate about it. All right. So, all right. More. The second one that we're going to talk about. By the way, there's like seven of these or nine or something. I'm only going to talk about three or four ones that are going to be relevant to the doctrines as we go. Uh, Council of Ephesus met in 431. It addressed Christological issues. It also addressed original sin. Uh, Nestorius was a bishop. Uh, he argued that Jesus had distinct human and divine persons in one body. This was officially denounced as heresy. And it's understandable why, because if Christ had a, uh, 
a human person inside of them and a divine person. When we worship Jesus, now we're worshiping somebody who's just a man, right? Not divine as well. So it becomes a matter of idolatry. Uh, so that's why, well, we'll get to it, the Christological uh, hierarchy here in a little bit. Uh, they also address the issue of theotakos. Okay, that's just Greek for theo meaning God and tikto meaning to bear. Translates as God bearer. This is the official title given to Mary, uh, the mother of Jesus. Uh, we're, we'll talk about this title when we get to Catholics because it's a title of God bearer. They want to call her the mother of God. And there's obviously some problems there where did she birth God or was she just the one who bore God? And like, Anyways, <clears throat> we'll talk about that later. So Pelagius, which we mentioned earlier, again, he was the guy who debated Augustine and lost. So he taught that humans were born without the taint of sin. Right? Augustine of Hippo is probably the most famous theologian in church history. Uh, he opposed him strongly. Pelagian, Pelagianism was denounced as heresy, and the doctrine of original sin was upheld. Uh, and just as a side note, too, like William Lane Craig, he has expressed strong reservations about this doctrine of original sin. So it's, things can get... He's, yeah, I don't think he's a great source to go to for apologetics, in my opinion. That's one of the reasons why, because he's, he's openly questioning an essential Christian doctrine, which is that we are all born into sin, right? That we're, we get that from Adam, and Jesus is the one who redeemed that sin, right? Uh, Council of Chalcedon, try to speed this up, 451, that's the hypostatic union of Christ, uh, yeah, which means that God is truly God and truly man. You will hear people say fully God, fully man. That is not the correct way to say it. Okay? It's also confusing to people who don't understand it when you're talking to people who are not Christian uh, or when you're talking with a Jehovah's Witness and you're trying to say, no, Jesus was God and he was man. And when you're saying full and full, they're like, well, how, does, how do you have two fulls fit into one thing? You know, it doesn't work. So uh, it's the correct terminology is truly God, truly man. So Jesus is one person with two natures, human and divine natures. So that's, that's the hypostatic union in a nutshell right there. So here's a chart that could be really, make it really easy for you to remember all this. Okay? So all you really need to remember is this middle part that's bold, without the boxes around it. The Orthodox view of Jesus, he is truly God, truly a human, one person with two natures. And then those are like the offshoots that are early early heresies that the earliest Christians fought against. And I didn't come up with this chart, by the way. It uh, comes from introducing, <clears throat> introducing Christian doctrine. All right. Good book. So what is a Christian cult? Uh, so the word cult, when I say it, it probably brings up connotations of groups like People's Temple or Heaven's Gates. This is not the type of cult I'm talking about. Okay, these are like those are insular social communities that uh, are famous because of the carnage that they caused. Like hundreds of people died because of these cults, and they actually happened within like the last 50 years. So some of them, some of them are even active. I'm not talking about that when I say cult. Okay, I just basically mean false church. So cult is a false Christian offshoot that no longer has uh, teaches sound doctrine. Right? 
So a common theme that you're going to hear from all of these is that the Bible or the church is corrupted. So that's going to be uh, progressives, it's going to be Jehovah's Witnesses, it's going to be Mormons, etc. They're going to say there was a new prophet was called by God to restore the church. So with the, with the Jehovah's Witnesses, it's going to be Charles Taze Russell. With the Mormons, it's going to be Joseph Smith. There's some man that God called to restore the church to its rightful place. Uh, there are also going to be massive claims of authority, even over the Bible. So that's going to be especially true with Catholics, who they, they hold that the church has authority over the Scripture. The Scripture is not authoritative over them. <clears throat> so remember, it's not that you believe in Jesus, but rather what you believe about Jesus. Okay, so James 2.19, you believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. The, demon and the, the devil and his, all his demons believe in Jesus, and not a single one of them are being are saved. Believe it, belief in Jesus Christ is not going to save you if you believe in the wrong Jesus. So this is going to be the last thing here. Uh, <clears throat> all right, let's just give an, an analogy. All right. So let's say you're walking around another state. So you want to go on vacation out to New York or California or somewhere. You run into somebody that says, says that they know who I am, right? They say, hey, I know Trent Eisenbacher. And you're like, hey, that's great. I know him too. He's teaching this class at my church. Uh, and then they tell you, yeah, like I know him. He's, uh, he's six feet, two inches tall. He has blue-green eyes. And he's a former military officer and statesman. And he has a set of false teeth, right? So you might, might, know, might not know me like that well, but you know me well enough to know that that doesn't describe who I am, right? So like I've never served in the military, right? People know me, would not describe me as a statesman, right? I'm not six foot two, I'm only 5'11". I have brown eyes, brown green instead of blue eye. So obviously you know that this person confused me with George Washington somehow, right? <laughs> So you would say that person doesn't actually know who I am, right? Because they obviously, they're describing somebody that doesn't actually exist, right? Or somebody else, okay? So it's the same thing when you ask somebody, like, well, Jehovah's Witness, like, what do you believe about Jesus? And they say, oh, he was the archangel Michael who became a human on our behalf. He wasn't God. He was never God. He was just, he lived, he was a really, he was the perfect man. Right? But that's not the Jesus. That's not really who Jesus was at all. Okay? So, uh, that's, so they're, they're believing in the wrong Jesus. They don't actually know him. Right? <clears throat> so just the last slide here, some tips as you go through. Uh, when you're engaging with somebody, so like when I'm meeting with this Jehovah's Witness tomorrow, we are going to be talking about the, whether the church was corrupted or not. Okay, that's what he wants to talk about. So I'm going to make sure that we spend the time talking about whether the church was corrupted after the apostles or not. Okay, so I'm spending time. I have the Bible verses ready to go. Uh, and I'm not going to let him just drag me all over the place. Well, I'm, let's talk about whether it was restored. Let's talk about um, the man of lawlessness. because you know, That's what he kept wanting to do when I was on the phone with him. You got it. Don't let them drag you all over the place. Say, let's say, hey, let's stick to the topic at hand. Uh, you want to talk about 
the man of lawlessness. Next time, let's do that. Let's just talk right now about this topic and these scriptures at hand. Let me, like, tell me what you think about what this really says. So it's, it's going to force him to deal with the issues at hand. Um, offer to go back another time, like I already said. <clears throat> now, another tip, be in prayer. Don't try to do it in your own power. Okay? So just as an example, for, like for me personally, like I went to a Jehovah's Witness meeting not that long ago. Uh, <clears throat> like I walk in, like I'm really fresh. I've been studying this stuff. Like I know what's going on. Like I know all your false teachings. Maybe a little bit too cocky about it, right? Uh, but as I walk in, right, like there's like a woman there and I'm immediately like filled with lust. And it's like, oh, I could like just, and you have these evil thoughts that come into your mind, right? But so you have to be prepared for that kind of attack that's going to happen, right? There's just spiritual warfare. The devil's not going to like you showing up in his little, in his place where he's got all these people penned in where he wants them. Okay? Or even if you get somebody in your home and you're doing your Bible study with them. So just be prepared for that so that you're in prayer, you're not trying to do it because you're the one who did all the studying and now you're going to do it. Like trust in the Holy Spirit to be the one to protect you uh, and to call the right things to mind as you go. All right? Uh, and then make sure you're doing it for Christ and for Christ. Okay, So you're not doing it to say... Hey, I've led Ted Jehovah's Witnesses. Look at me, I'm great. You know, I'm doing well. Make sure you're doing it because you love them and you love Christ and you want them to come to faith. So, all right, that's it. Any questions? Go ahead. Yeah. Do you want like the slides or do you want my notes? Either one or both? Oh, yeah, I can maybe try to make a handout for you. Yeah. Okay. yeah, I can email you on If you write down your email address, I'll just email you my notes. But yeah, I'll try to make like a handout of some essential things. So going forward. Good. No, every Sunday night. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, every Sunday night at 630. So that was my bad if I misspoke. Joel? So next week we are going to delve into Jehovah's Witnesses. So it's going to be what, what it is that they believe and then what the correct doctrine is and then how, how to approach them specifically. Because there's ways that you're going to try to get at them uh, that's different from like a Mormon or a Catholic. So, so Jehovah's Witness next time. And remember, like they come knocking on your door. And I, and when I was at their meeting a couple weeks ago, they were all like really excited when I talked to them because they had put their door-to-door ministry on pause for COVID, and they just opened up all Jehovah's Witnesses globally to go out door knocking again. So expect them to be out in full force. They're fresh. They've been pent up for two years. So they are, they are ready to teach you their, about their false Christ. All right? Exactly. So. Yeah, and then what they say is, you know, something can just heal, and then you can get out of the 
Yep. They'll stand out there and they'll hand out their magazines and their Bibles. They'll just give you their, and it's, it's a bad translation, and we'll talk about that specifically next week, um, where they literally just changed words. Uh, and the, the, they ironically had the audacity to print like an interlinear with their Bible. So they have like the Greek and then their translation right next to it. And it's available for free on their website. So we'll, we'll look at it. And it's a great resource for you to go look at uh, when you're talking with them. Like this is, this is what it says with the Greek because they have the, the actual translation. You don't need to know the Greek. It's just it'll have the translated words for you underneath. And you're like, how come your interlinear translation of the actual words doesn't match what it actually says over here? Right? So it's weird. I don't know why they did that, but it's great. So it makes it easy for you. Any other questions? Good. All right. Well, thank you guys for coming. Uh, well, Lord, we thank you for this time. And I just ask that you would bless them all as they go home and help us to retain uh, your not, well, to retain truth and to give us a spirit um, of boldness to uh, properly reach out to those uh, that we know that are in a false church, especially when they come to our door. In Jesus' name, amen.